0: Parker J Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, John Jarman. He is the author of the book Broken and Redeemed. Now, that may sound like something that you already know about, but let me tell you: by the time you finish this book, you're going to have an intimate portrayal of what it means to be broken and redeemed. And John is just the right person to tell us the story. Using his life as a blueprint, he walks you through some major things that may happen to you. He walks you through family life that may be detrimental or harmful. He walks you through divorce. He walks you through things you may not even remember, as well as spiritual warfare. All told in a very conversational way. Feel with just an intimate portrayal of his life, what he's dealt with, and guess what? He also imparts biblical truths for you to live your life by. One thing I like about this book is that at the end of certain chapters, you have reflections. and He also asks you questions. These questions aren't meant to make you feel on the spot, even though you more than likely you will, but they're there to help you in your walk with Christ because at the end of the day, what John wants you to do is strengthen your walk with Christ. And get this, you'll never really attain where you want to be until we meet in heaven in the presence of the Lord. But in this life and on this walk with Christ in this realm, in this world now, he wants us to do better. And John has definitely experienced what it means to grow in faith and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Definitely want to thank Morgan James Publishing for producing the book for us and for connecting us together. To find out more about them, visit their website, which will be in the show links below. And to visit John's website that will also be in the show links below. He's done many interviews, so I'm so very glad that he took time out of his schedule to be here with me today. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click that follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring my guests on board. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: And thank you so much for being here with me. As I already told you, I really enjoyed your book. It was so intimate, so mind-opening. It made you think. And you often, as you were telling your story, I started to think about my own life and how maybe there are parallels or, or there weren't parallels. The whole point about your book is to make people think. And I know this was a labor of love, a labor of faith a labor of dealing with a lot of different things because this book took some time for you to write. How long did it take for you to write?
1: Well, I actually started back in 2014 and I got some help uh, from a young lady who wrote for our church and she helped me outline the book and I started and I worked on it for a little while and I had five chapters done and then it actually sat on the shelf until February of last year. And one day in February, I was up, you know, re- during my daily prayer and reading and I came across Hebrews 1036 and it says, when you're doing the will of God, you must persevere to get what he promised. And then about 20 minutes later, I was at work doing my workout, and I frequently read books or you know, listen to worship music because I do my cardio. And I was reading in A.J. Swoboda's very first book, Messy, and he was talking about the will of God. And he said in his book, no one told him if anybody would read his book or buy his book, he just had to write it. And so those two things happened that morning, and I went, okay, I got to finish this book. And so I was going to the golf, I was traveling to the Gulf of Mexico down there in Florida. And so I said, I'm going to write for two hours every morning. And I did that on the vacation. I came back and I continued to do that. And the book was done in three weeks. So it was a true spiritual dump and, and it just, you know, everything came together and it was, you know, God's words. You know, I was just a vessel to put the words on the paper.
0: There was something I wanted to ask you when you are opening yourself up for this type of feedback mean that you're going to be putting personal things out there to the world for public consumption. How would you advise another person who is thinking about doing the same thing to handle it?
1: Well, the first thing I'd say is, you know, if you have situations in your life that you want to talk about that cause pain for others, is be very discreet on how you do that because you don't want to open up wounds. that was the toughest thing in the book for me is because, you know, there's, you know, along my path, there's plenty of people that I probably, you know, that I hurt. And, you know, I didn't want to open up the wounds, but I did want to share so that the reader would understand that I made some mistakes along the way and, and I hurt some people. And it's due to how I was raised and how I grew up. And, you know, there's accountability. I have to take accountability for those actions. But the actions were a result of the trauma and everything that I went through as a child. And it took a long time to learn that. And so that's the toughest thing. And then just, you know, you have to pray before you write and then let God tell you what to put on the paper. So,
0: One of the things you mentioned about making sure you don't open up that wound at the same time, the dichotomy is that your wounds are being opened too. So what advice would you give to the author who is currently experiencing the reopening of old wounds? I think
1: for me, the book was, you know, my counselor that I worked with for off and on for 10 years, Christina, is the one who suggested I write the book. And I think she was doing that because it was a healing process for me to actually put all this on the paper. And people who have been in trauma or have been a victim, you know, my number one thing is you're not the only person that's gone through what you're going through. And the vulnerability. Part of that is seeking help, knowing that you can't do it by yourself and you need that help to get through it. And that's what a professional counselor or a spiritual mentor provides for you. And I was fortunate enough by the grace of God to have both. And I think that getting that healing done before I wrote the book made it a lot easier.
0: Well, that's very sound advice. And I can agree with you there. In the book, you mentioned that you needed someone who would not judge you for the things that you did. And some people have hair-raising tales that go on in their life about trauma. In your case, it's a bit different because in the very beginning of the book, you talk about lost memories. So as we begin to delve into this, what are those lost memories
1: you refer to? You know, I simply stated I don't have a lot of memory from my birth till age 12 because I grew up in a violent home. My dad was an alcoholic and there was a lot of abuse and so to be honest, for 40 years, I didn't think I was a victim. And then as I got older and I started working with my counselor and, and looking back on my past with a little bit clearer mind, the idea of being a victim was very real. What actually happened, I have no idea. And we worked on recovering that, but we decided to stop that process after we had some a spiritual influence in the session that I was working with Christina. And you're going to talk about Visible War, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in detail.
0: Oh, for sure. One thing I found interesting is that because you did not remember those earlier years, the first thing I thought about was dissociative identity disorder. And this is what the mind does to protect itself. And some people may see it as a detriment, but I actually think the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, Knowing how humanity gets and how it works, he built within us fail safes, so we don't have to succumb to the abyss. And DID is something that's gaining more traction, and as more people come forward about trauma and starting to understand that, hey, this is how the mind protects itself. That's just my personal opinion. John, I don't want to give away too much of what's going on in the story. But that was the very first thing I thought, like your mind protected itself from the trauma. But it also brought something else to mind that I would love for you to comment on. Because in the book, you do say this. You say that maybe it's better for me not to know. How do we deal with those questions we simply cannot get the answers to on this side of heaven?
1: Well, you know, my spiritual mentor calls those the mystery box (laughs) and he says that the mystery box is what builds faith. And so I think you have to just pray to, you know, in your prayer, pray for clarity, pray for wisdom and let God reveal what he wants to reveal to you and let it, you know, and not worry about it. It's tough. You know, when I first started counseling with Christina, I wanted to know it was a deception or obsession for me. And, you know, I was, for lack of better terms, hell bent to find out what happened. and then. As we started working together, I thought, you know, and she's told me, she said, you know, if if we would have uncovered what happened, you know, it probably would have been another 10 or 15 years of counseling to get through the trauma and everything like that. And so I was like, you know, it's better not to know.
0: And I know that the Lord gave you comfort in this over time that he's protecting you. And on the other side of glory, you may be able to look back and say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me. But you mentioned about coming from a broken family and a hard family life. And this eventually led to divorce. And divorce is a biggie right now, particularly in Christian circles, as a lot of people are getting to. I was reading recently about this trend called gray divorces, where there are couples who have been married for 20 plus years. And the gray refers to, you know, gray hair. <laughs> and they are splitting after being together for such a long time. So I would love for you to just speak about divorce and what are some proper things for each person who is involved in the divorce to do? You don't have to give the whole thing because I really want our listeners to pick up their copy of Broken and Redeemed. But go ahead, tell us what you learned.
1: Well, for me, the biggest thing for me is you have to have an unconditional honesty and you have to have communication in your relationship and you have to be able to share whatever you want to share without being judged with your spouse. And I'm not saying that that Lynn and I didn't have that, but, you know, there was, you know, I became a workaholic and I dove into my coaching career and that type of stuff. And, and I think that's what caused some separation between her and I. And, you know, the fact that we decided to separate without really working on it or seeking counsel was probably a mistake on my part. And, you know, just, moving on without too much work on trying to actually save the marriage. And, you know, that was my mistake. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing in my coaching career, because I worked with high school kids and I saw a lot of kids who came from divorced families is, and this happened in my family is, you know, the parent, my mom was very bitter and rightly so because she was abused, but it was talking negatively about my dad or not being truthful about what's going on and that type of stuff. And that, that really puts a toll on the kids and, You know, I think that's one thing if you're splitting up and you have kids, you know, your kids are your kids forever and you might not be able to get along with your spouse anymore. But don't put your kids in the middle of your guys' relationship. Love your kids and try to keep that resentment for your spouse out of that lifestyle because it's traumatic for your kids to go through that stuff. So.
0: So Broken and Redeemed, I'm going to give you the full title, is Finding Freedom Through Complete Surrender. And we're going to talk about complete surrender a little bit later on in the broadcast. But now I want to talk about punishment and discipline. And this becomes something, not necessarily a refrain in your story, but clarification. Because you did open up about the mistakes that you made, some of the choices that you made, some of the things that you did. And so at one point in your story, you talk about the difference between punishment and discipline, why they are both important and what makes them different from each other. So please expand on that. Well, it took me
1: a long time to understand that. And you're speaking spiritually, right? And so it took me a long time to understand that. I used to think that, you know, I was being punished for things I did. And it's not punishment. It is discipline and what God tries to do in those times, I think, is to show you the, to deepen your faith through that, and through showing you that, yes, you've made a mistake, and it takes a little bit, and that's why I think you have to have a spiritual mentor, somebody who's farther along in the walk, because you're going to need to counsel with them, and during those times, I mean, I have uh, Exodus 2020 tattooed on my forearm, and it says, don't be afraid, God has come to test you, and as Christians, we need to understand that God is going to test us, and if we make them speak, he is going to discipline us. And it's those tests and disciplines that create increasing faith, because when we get through that and we get to the other side, our faith is deepened because we understand it a little bit more. So it's not really punishment. It's more of discipline, like a parent disciplines a child.
0: And I would always love the lyrical prose of the King James Version. My listeners have heard me say that more than once. Someone's going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, and it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth, he chastens rather, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. And the reason why he disciplines us is to make us better, is to test us, is to help us get better at this thing called being a disciple of him. And you also talk about, and we won't go into it because I really want you to get your copy of Broken and Redeemed, but you also talk about how we need to evangelize in our circles as well. And that's highly important because we can't just be followers of Christ. We want to make disciples.
1: And I really learned that, you know, because meeting Scotty, who is my spiritual mentor, Scotty was in the deliverance ministry and he's in that discipleship ministry. He was mentored by Robert Coleman, who wrote the Master Plan of Evangelism. And that book sold over, I think, a million copies. It's the basically the textbook on what to do to disciple. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't tell us how to do that. He just said that we needed to do that. And I feel fortunate that Scotty allowed me to put into the book his 10-step plan. He calls it the Big Ten. And if you follow those 10 steps, you could be a Christian for a week and disciple somebody who just came to Christ. And so it's a simple process. And I'd encourage your listeners, you know, if they get the book to look at that and use that model to help disciple somebody. And without discipleship, you know, my faith would not be where it is today because, you know, as you become a new Christian, the Bible is something that you have to learn how to read. You have to learn how to pray. You have to learn how to interpret the passages and stuff like that. And that's where that mentor or person can help you through that discipleship.
0: Now, one thing about this book is that it is an open book. We were joking before we started recording. You said, hey, my life's an open book now. (laughs) Pun intended. And I like that because you are also expressing something that is extremely difficult for people to do. And I'll just generally say, especially for men, and that is to be vulnerable. I'm going to read an excerpt from Broken and Redeemed, Finding Freedom Through Complete Surrender. And you say this, learning to be vulnerable. One day in my morning reading, I came to 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, the New International Version. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Weakness is another big struggle I had. I never wanted to feel weak or wanted to be seen as weak. Growing up, I had to be strong, so this word wasn't even in my vocabulary. The biblical use of this word doesn't mean weak physically. My thinking was that it did. The reality is I discovered that as Christians, we have to be vulnerable. This word was foreign to me. In my first 50 years, I never showed any vulnerability. I didn't let anyone in. This prevented me from having what I now know is unconditional true love. And that is an excerpt from Broken and Redeemed, Finding Freedom Through Complete Surrender. Now, this becomes a significant turning point for you. Because what you're doing now, talking and sharing your story is a sign of vulnerability, but it doesn't make you weak at all.
1: It actually creates strength. And, you know, those words are, you know, as you're reading them, it's brought back, you know, the memories of all of that. You know, for me, when I grew up, because of what I went through as a child and then being a Marine and being a football coach, you know, weakness wasn't even a term I wanted to even speak. You know, it took a long time to understand the biblical sense of that word that's humbling yourself at the cross and being vulnerable to allow God to, to mold you to where he wants you to go. And it is a truly eye-opening revelation when you get to that point, and it removes that veil, and it allows you to become closer to God.
0: The last thing we're going to touch on, because there's so much in this book, and one thing that kind of frustrated me, which lets me know that you are a storyteller, is that you would start one place, and then we'll get back to that later. I'm like, are you serious? I'm really interested in what's going on right now, but I know the concept and why you did what you did because you want us to understand what's going on. And so there is something that he talks about, and a lot of churches, particularly nowadays, don't want to speak about it, and it's called the Invisible War. Let's talk about the Invisible War, and I don't want to give away any particular spoilers because there's a significant event happens that makes the Invisible War become front and center on a visual, physical, emotional level. So much to the point that the Lord actually pulled you back from certain things. So let's talk about the invisible war. What do we mean?
1: Well, it's the spiritual warfare. I mean, Paul talks about it in his letters to Ephesians, you know, and we're not at war with the world. It's we're in war with the spiritual realm. And, you know, it's Satan, for lack of better terms, was one of God's right-hand angels. And then he wanted what God wanted. And so he was cast out. And, you know, if you I mean, it goes back to the garden and Adam and Eve and the temptation and the first sin was disobedience because, you know, Eve did not listen to God and didn't obey God. And so, you know, that's, what's created a lot of the spiritual warfare that we have now. And it's real. I've lived it. You know, I talked about the day in my counseling session with Christina, we actually had a spiritual presence in the room with us. We both have a little bit different outtake on what took place that day. And that was the turning point that made me kind of say, okay, I don't really need to know what's going on or what happened to me. And, you know, without giving too much of the details away of that day, it it was a very interesting day, I'll put it that way. And Christina and, and I both felt it and it was real.
0: There's nothing quite like when the physical meets the spiritual in a real way that you cannot explain away. And of course, it makes it go to Ephesians, a very well-known chapter, Ephesians 6, and goes to verse 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And I find that significant because I see how even though you had to pull away from the battle, guess who still got the victory? The Lord still got the victory because you are no longer bound by that.
1: And I mean, here's the thing. You look around in today's world and if you can't see spiritual warfare in today's world, then then you need to do a little bit more praying and get closer to God because once you get closer, you're going to see it. A lot of evidence of it in today's society
0: so. This is extremely significant because we're wondering why are people going crazy? Why are people doing strange things? Why are people lost? Why are people so virulent against good things and holy things and righteous things? Because it's spiritual warfare. And in your book, and I'm going to paraphrase it, I believe you quote another author where you said, he's here to destroy you physically emotionally, spiritually, relationally, however he can do it, he wants to destroy you. And the Bible says, for the thief is like a lion stalking you, seeking whom he may devour. And I've seen those nature videos of lions going after prey. And let me tell you, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture at all. And they will rip you from limb to limb. That's what he wants to do. If he can stop you from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he will. My mom always says, actually, different people I've, I've listened to say that Satan doesn't have any creative power. So my mom used the example of, he has a book, a little black book. and she said, it's tattered, worn, there's rubber bands around it. He keeps using the same tricks over and over and over again because he understands the human heart to an extent. But the Lord redeems the human heart. And that's what you're going to discover when you pick up your copy of Broken and Redeemed by John Jarman, and the subtitle is Finding Freedom Through Complete Surrender. And when we surrender, we think about war. Right now, one of the most vivid images of war right now is in the Ukraine. Many of us in the West, myself included, felt as if how could we be at war when we know how terrible war is? You say in the visible war, it happens. We have to be cognizant of it.
1: Yeah, you have to be aware of it because, you know, he attacks the mind. And so, you know, what can you do daily to protect you is exactly what Paul said in Ephesians is put on the armor of God. And, and the best thing is the word of God. That's our sword. And, you know, it's evident when Jesus was tested by Satan after his baptism and he was in the desert for 40 days and the devil used scripture to try and then Jesus flipped it right back to him. So he knows scripture as well as Jesus. And so if we don't know scripture, it's hard to fight that. And so, you know, because when your mind's attacked, that's where you've got to use your prayer life and the word to to defend it and renew your mind to what's Christ-like rather than what's
0: worldly. And I want to thank you, John, for being with me today. We we'll Look forward to having you come back because I know there's so much more you can show us. One of the things throughout your primary career that you do is coaching. We'd love to have you back to talk about coaching and the spiritual aspects of coaching, as well as the practical aspects too. So lots that we can talk to you about now people who so far have read your book what has been their initial response because this is how the press just about a month ago now so how has the response been
1: well the response has been very good i've received a five-star reward from literary titans and a four-star goodreads and you know i have to the book when i wrote the book i was asked one time and so they said what do you want to get out of the book and i said if one person can come to christ or deep it or i can deepen the faith of somebody and the gentleman bought the book off Kindle, and he's a Marine just like I am. And his testimony or his review of the book and how it re- brought him back to Christ and deepened his faith was, I mean, as I read his review, I started crying. And it was so moving to me that I copied it and put it on my website as a review for the book because it just, it, you know, that is what my intent of the book was, is to help people understand you're not alone and your freedom is in God. And you have to learn who you are in Christ. And the only way you can find out who you are in Christ is have a daily prayer and reading and then become humble and vulnerable at the foot of the cross. And it's not an easy process. It's going to be a little bit painful because you have to do some soul searching and, but you can get through it. And on the other side, when you experience that freedom, it's amazing. And then to watch what God does in your life after that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you had I not experienced that because the book was a total God thing.
0: And that's a constant refrain through broken and redeemed finding freedom and complete surrender is it's a God thing. And the Lord is very intentional. He's very intentional when he reaches out to us. That's why I wouldn't call it random. I call it conspiracy. And I want to thank you, John, for being with me today. I would love for you in the few moments that we have, pray for those of us who are still looking to be healed and mended because of trauma. Please pray for us today.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together, and we just ask that this message touch the hearts of those who are struggling, Father, who are victims of abuse or whatever, that are trying to figure out which way to go, Father. We just ask that you give them the courage, the wisdom, and the strength to raise their hand and find the help that they need, place the help in front of them, and just we we ask that you just be with us through today. Renew our mind and our heart to you, O oh Lord, and again, I just want to thank you for this time. And in your mighty name, we pray. Amen.
0: John, thank you for that lovely prayer. Thank you for being with me on the show today.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Parker. And I truly enjoyed it. And I would love to come back and visit with you again.
0: And we were talking today to John Jarman. He is the author of the book, Broken and Redeemed, Finding Freedom Through Complete Surrender. I really enjoyed this book. I want to thank Morgan James for publishing it and letting it be known out to the world. If you're having difficulty with dealing with past trauma, if you're sitting there wondering, when will I get over this? Why did they do this to me? Why would God allow this to happen? This book is for you because you follow John on this very intimate journey of how through complete surrender, he was healed and redeemed. And one thing John says in this book is that he's still dealing with a lot of things. You know, we are in the world. We're in the flesh. We're going to continue to make mistakes, even with the Spirit of God within us. But he gives us the opportunity. He gives us the blueprint to say, you don't have to stay broken. You don't have to stay in shattered pieces. We all like the song by Tina Turner, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken. We may want to distance ourselves from our emotions and from our pain, but get this, God sees a broken heart and he says, will you let me mend it? You may be broken but I can heal and redeem you. And that's what John's book tells us. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day. And God bless.